G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Any real estate agent worth half his or her salt will tell you that your house is only worth what someone else is prepared to pay for it. Eh, fair enough. So how do we tell what you're worth in the scheme of things, really? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're going to open up God's Word once more because it is, after all, alive and active to discover the life-changing truth about what you're worth in God's eyes. That ABBA song, most of us know it, Money, 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 is one of the catchiest songs of the last 50 years, I reckon. The first verse starts off like this. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? And still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a ball. Hey, that's the dream, isn't it? To have enough money not to have to work at all, or at least not to have to work as hard as we do. To be able to take life just that little bit easier. There's not a one of us who hasn't wished that at some time in our lives. This, this desire for money goes a lot deeper than that. There's something about money, or should I say wealth, that taps into our sense of identity. The chorus of that Abba song gives us a hint. It goes like this. Money, money, money must be funny in a rich man's world. Money, 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 always sunny in the rich man's world. All the things I could do if I had a little money. It's a rich man's world. You see, for most of us, having lots of money is about more than just being comfortable and not having to work so hard. For most people, it's about being able to play in that rich man's world, being one of those rich, beautiful people. Nowhere else do you see this on a day-to-day basis more than in the car that some people choose to drive. I remember one of those financial gurus on television, a guy by the name of Paul Clithrow, once saying that from a financial perspective, you should buy the cheapest car that your ego will allow you to. It's true. People buy cars as an expression or an extension of who they are. If I drive a car worth this much with with this brand's logo on it, that's a statement of my wealth for everybody else to see. We want money because, in a sense, it's a scorecard, as Donald Trump puts it, of our success. It's a tangible measure that tells other people and ourselves how successful we are according to the world's measure. And when money starts to define our identity and our sense of self-worth in that way, that's when it becomes dangerous, very dangerous, because at that point, It becomes an idol. It becomes something that we worship and pursue and sacrifice for. And money, as it turns out, is a terrible master. We saw last week on the program that according to God, at least, money can end up causing you a great deal of pain. 
Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. The alternative, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, is this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And you see, it's in that second scripture that there lies a very clear, a very distinct choice for you and me today. To what or to whom do you look for your self-image, for your sense of worth? To money and all that it buys, comfort, power, recognition, wealth, or to God who will never leave you or forsake you? Which one do you trust more? Which one is going to be more reliable and dependable and faithful and fruitful, God or money? It's a stark choice. You you can't look to both to discover your identity. You can't trust in money and in God because at that point you become a dog with two masters. One says go, the other one says come. Which one are you going to listen to? Which one are you going to obey? Jesus knew that which is why he put that stark choice before the people he was speaking with. He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Can I ask you something? Where do you go for an identity check? When you're kind of figuring out what you're worth, or or where you fit in the big scheme of things, or, or how your life's going, what mirror, if you will, do you turn to to look at yourself through? Do you kind of look at where you are in life and, and what you have to get that assessment? Yeah, well, you know, it's pretty good. I'm 42 now and I have a nice house. Okay, bit of a mortgage, but I'm paying that off. And I'd like to get that new lounge, but our dining suite's really nice. Yeah, I'm happy kind of with my marriage, the kids. Well, they'll turn out okay, I think. And yeah, I, I think my salary is pretty good given where I'm at. Is that how you reckon up your success? Or are you more interested in your walk with the Lord, in reveling in the grace that you have in Jesus Christ, in in tackling this particular sin that you've been struggling with through prayer and through the power of the Holy Spirit, in taking another step of faith, another step of sacrifice to follow Jesus? Come on, which one is it? How do you take stock of you? Because that's going to tell you what's the most important thing to you. And for the person who is wrapped up in wealth and money, if that's what's most important to you, then you know that you're struggling with your self-image because enough is never enough. Your desire for wealth can never be satisfied by more wealth. And so the inability to be satisfied eats away at your self-esteem. Back in the 18th century, a man by the name of Jonathan Swift said this, a wise person should have money in their head but not in their heart. That sums it up in a nutshell for me, because when money reigns in your heart, it pierces you with many pains. It robs you of who you really are. So then let me ask you, 
Who or what is it that reigns in your heart? To what extent is your identity wrapped up in what you have or what you aspire to have? Can I say these are tough questions to ask ourselves because the lure of wealth has its tendrils wrapped around many a human heart, gripping it in a vice-like grip, holding it captive. But these are the questions we need to ask. If God asked you to sell up everything and follow him to some far-flung part of the world and start again, live in relative poverty and serve him without any worldly recognition, how would you answer him? I know that one's making just the odd person squirm. Come on, how about you? What really matters to you? What, what's valuable to you? Which master are you serving, wealth or God? You can't serve them both. And the reason I'm posing these rather awkward, rather inconvenient, rather probingly rude questions for you to ask yourself today is that God wants to set you free from any hold, any power, any control that the false idol of wealth has over you. Jesus came to set you free, remember? And when the Son of Man sets you free, you are free indeed, remember? He loves you Enough to use this message today, I guess, to put these questions before you, to share God's word and challenge you, because the only way that we gain true freedom is discovering our true value. And our value is in Christ. And that, that's something that money simply can't buy. Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. Hey, life can be hard work some days. And as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at us, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give us victory. That's why I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps even when you least expect it. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord, what word of encouragement could I give to you today? So if you'd like the occasional bit of encouragement to help you live your life in victory, head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook, Power Unlimited. Thousands already have. And the most common response? Hey, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the Spirit of God can move through just a short text message. And I'd love to encourage you too to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org. Great stuff. Now, let's head back into the Word of God, alive and active, with the power to transform our lives. Amen. Over the years, I've bought and sold a few different houses. As a buyer, inevitably what you want to do is pay as little as possible for the house of your dreams. I mean, why would you possibly want to part with a single penny more than you have to to get that house? And so, depending on the market, you negotiate. If the market's a little bit flat, if the house has been up for sale for a few months, you put in a low offer and hope the vendors will accept. And if they don't, hopefully they'll meet you somewhere between their asking price and what you offered. On the vendor side, well, when you're selling, you always believe that your house is worth more than what the market does. 
it's your house after all. You've put your blood and sweat and tears into decorating it and, and making it all that it is today. It's personal. And so often vendors can be just a little bit unrealistic about the true market value of their property. But as every real estate agent will tell you, it's only worth what someone is actually prepared to pay on the day. That's how value is determined. The market value equals the price that someone else is prepared to pay for your house. So let me ask you this. What's your market value? What are you really worth? The world out there often wants to discount your worth. The world out there tells us what beautiful looks like, what talented looks like, what, what successful looks like, what, what wealthy looks like, what popular looks like. And I, for one, have, have never been able to measure up to all those images of what I should look like. How about you? As a result, we end up with self-doubt, feeling inadequate, because we can never measure up. Self-doubt is an awful thing. I don't mean that we should all be proud and full of ourselves, not that, but delighted with who we are, realistic about our limitations, prepared to learn and to grow and develop for sure, but being comfortable in the skin you're in. Are you comfortable in the skin you're in? Do you like who you are? Or are you a walking bundle of insecurities? Chances are, if you're not comfortable with who you are, what you're capable of and what you're not capable of, you've been listening far more to what the world has to say about you than what God has to say about you. And the first thing I want to share with you is that you are worth what someone else is prepared to pay for you. And here is what God was prepared to pay for you through Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The matchless death of Jesus on that cross. Now, if Jesus were just a man, that would be stunning enough. But although Jesus was a man, he wasn't just a man. He was much, much more. One of my favourite songs of all time is the Michael W. Smith song, Above All. I can't sing it, but have a listen to the words of the first verse in the chorus. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all the wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what you're worth. Crucified, laid behind a stone, you live to die rejected and alone. Like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. Do you get it? Do you see what you are worth in the eyes of God? He gave his son for you, not just a man, but the very son of the living God, who is above all things, above every power, above the whole creation, above all our wisdom and every kingdom and every wonder and all the wealth and the treasures the earth has. Put it all together. 
There is literally no way to measure what Jesus is worth. And it was this Jesus, this very one, who was crucified and laid behind a stone. It was precisely this Jesus who died rejected and alone for you. He took the fall for you. This Jesus, whose worth is immeasurable, placed you above all else, even above himself. Do you know what that makes you? Absolutely priceless. Do do you get it? What the world tells you you're worth, what other people tell you you're worth, doesn't hold a candle to what you're really worth. And Jesus didn't just use words to tell you what you're worth. He showed you what you're worth by allowing himself to be nailed to that cross to take the fall for you, to pay for your sins, so that you could spend eternity with him. That's how much he loves you. That's how much you're worth. For while you were still weak, just at the right time, Christ died for you. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for you in that while you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. Much more surely then, now that you've been justified by his blood, will you be saved through him from the wrath of God. If while you were his enemy, you were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then much more surely, having been reconciled, you'll be saved by his life. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 10. He thought of you. He thought of me. He placed us above all else, not because we loved him or honoured him, but because the exact opposite was true of us. And he saw us. He knew us before we were born, and he knew how desperately we needed to be forgiven and to be reconciled back to God. So whenever you feel inadequate, worthless, simply not able to measure up to the images of beauty and wealth and success that the world tells you you should measure up to, Whenever you start to discount your worth, my prayer is that you will believe what God says about you through the cross of Christ, above and beyond the lies of this world. It was a battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. One of my bidding good folks, he cried, he'll start the bidding for me. A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two, two dollars, and he'll make it three. Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three. But no, from the room far back, a grey-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loosened strings, he played a melody, pure and sweet, as caroling angels would sing. The music ceased. And the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand dollars. Who'll make it two? Two thousand. Who'll make it three? Three thousand once. Three thousand twice. And going and gone, said he. People cheered, but some of them cried, We don't quite understand. What change is worth? Swift came the reply. The touch of the master's hand. And many a man with his life out of tune and and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul 
and the change that is wrought by the touch of the Master's hand. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. During this short break, I'd like to share an amazing truth with you. God handcrafted you to be who he wants you to be and to do what he wants you to do. And when we lay hold of that, what an amazing life we get to live. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my special edition book, Your Road to a Stunning Life. God's Word is alive and active. Amen. So I'm praying that He'll help you to be all that He made you to be and do all that He created you to do through this book. You can request your free copy right now at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415 and we'll get it straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that it'll be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. All right, let's dive straight back now into the life-changing Word of God to see what else He has for us today. I know that you sometimes look at yourself in the mirror and you think to yourself, I'm not much. There's, There's not too much to me. But remember, God often, almost always in fact, chooses plain, ordinary-looking people to achieve amazing things for him. Okay, the odd person may be really good-looking, God bless him, but the rest of us are just, well, we're ordinary. Take Jesus, for instance. Jesus, the Son of God, if you'd been God, what would you have done with Jesus' body? Would you have made him tall and good-looking and with a striking, imposing physique? I think I probably would have. But listen to what the prophet Isaiah says about this coming Messiah. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. He grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. See, that's that's Jesus we're talking about. And, And look at what he achieved. And after his crucifixion and resurrection, his scars was something he didn't hide. He showed them off. John chapter 20, verse 27. He said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Jesus put his body on the line for you and me. It was his earthly tent, which he used, plain and ordinary and unimpressive as it was, to glorify God. What an example, what what a powerful word to set you free from the ridiculous devilish destruction being wrought through the false understanding of your own self-image. Jesus came to set you free, and when he set you free, you are free indeed. How about it? Let me end this series where I began a few weeks ago, telling you about the picture on the front of that book that I've written called How to Receive a Whole New Self-Image. I really hope that you avail yourself of the free copy that I'm offering you today. Not just to read the powerful truths of God's Word in the book, but to gaze on the image on the front cover. The image is one of an apple core chewed down and reflected in a mirror. But the reflection isn't of the mangled apple core. It's of a complete, full, red healthy, perfect apple. To me, a picture is always worth a thousand words, ten thousand words, and that truly 
is what God sees in us. Okay, so you're not perfect. So life's taken a chunk out of you. It's toll on you physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And you think you're a whole bunch like that chewed up apple core. Done with. It's over. God can't use me. But what God sees isn't the mangled apple core or spent and washed up. What God sees in you is who he made you to be. What God sees in you is the image that he can restore you back into. Your original image, a perfect, whole, beautiful you, the you that he made you to be. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he's calling you today to stop listening to what the world has to say about what you're worth and what you're not worth and start listening to what he has to say about you. And that's why he wants you to put your complete trust in Jesus so that he can mould you and shape you and polish you and restore you back into his original image. I've said it before and I'll say it again. God isn't done with you yet. He has so much more planned for you. And when one day that plan runs out, he's going to bring you back to himself, perfect and pure and restored to spend the rest of eternity with him. But that's only going to happen if you place your complete trust in Jesus. That's only going to happen as you let God's Spirit change you from the inside out, as you bow your whole life down to Him to let Him have His way with you. I am believing that God is starting something mighty and new in you today, a new work, a work of powerful transformation that will bless you beyond measure. Be blessed as you receive God's Word. Just before we part ways today, there's something important that I need to share with you. This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! That means a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And look, when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that special edition book I've been telling you about, Your Road to a Stunning Life. And secondly, we would absolutely love to pray for you. So please click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.